Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello and welcome to the Haunted Estate. Hello everyone and welcome to what is actually the ninth episode of the Haunted Estate. I got prematurely excited and thought that we were a little farther than we were. So here we are back in nine. Did you hear our new intro? It was pretty cool. That's our friend Jesse and guess what? He recorded that on the actual day of Halloween. So let's get into this week's episode of the Haunted Estate. Do you have a story that you would like to share with us? Call us toll free at one 260 3428 Yes, that is the Haunted Estate phone number. It is toll free and it goes directly to a um, voicemail and it records for up to, a, I think, about half an hour. So if you're not calling for the fear that you're actually going to have to talk to me or somebody like I would be afraid of, don't worry. It is just a recording. Nobody picks it up. I set it up so it doesn't even ring through to my phone. Straight to voicemail. Should ring about twice. Um, another thing that I would like to say is the podcast is going to have to start being every other week or just very short because I'm not getting content. I was really hoping for more stories to talk about, more experiences to talk about. I know that there's lots of ghost podcasts out there. I thought that maybe there was more room for another one um maybe not um the other ghost podcasts tend to just you know do stories i would like to as i've been doing go into haunted topics and stuff like that so they'll require a bit more research but anytime you have a story somebody else's story if you've written a short story you want to share if you've you know have a local legend if you have a friend who wrote a book that's cool i want to know everything we can feature them on the site um Maybe you've done a project for school. You've written a really cool paper. I would love to read that on the air for you. Um, This week, actually, we're going to start off with a phone call. My mom actually called in. I don't know if she wants me to mention that she's my mom, and I don't think that I've brought this story up on the show, but I think that it's a fun one for everyone to hear. So have fun. And now, a call from Joanne. Hello, I've just, um, I've had some experiences with spirit guides over the years, but this is the oddest one and the one that I remember the most. So we lived in a two-story house, and so I lived, I slept in the upstairs bedroom. So anyways, my husband slept closest to the window, and I did not. So anyways, one, um, one day, the neighbor who lived directly across the street from where we lived 
she was like an older lady, and her grandson died all of a sudden. He just dropped dead. His name was Dan. So anyways, I heard that he had died at work. Well, and he was like a sous chef. He cut vegetables and things like that. So anyways, that night, everybody came to my neighbor's house. She was a grandma, and everybody bunked out there. They slept in bed, slept on the floor. The whole family was there. The street was covered in cars. So in about the middle of the night, I woke up, and there was a young man sitting on the edge of the bed, looking out our window, looking at the neighbor's house. And so I thought, oh, my God, that's so strange. So he had a bare back, and he had a towel around his neck, and he had kind of long, shaggy brown hair. I never felt scared or anything, and I just thought, well, that's really odd, and then I went back to sleep. So the next morning I thought, well, maybe I dreamed it or whatever. So when I mentioned it to my husband, my husband said, oh, my gosh. He says, do you think that was Dan? And Dan was the, the young man that had died. Do you think that was Dan? Because his whole family was across the street. And I thought to myself, it probably was, because you could feel the longing. You could feel the sadness and the longing, longing in this spirit guide. So anyways, I just put it in my pipe, and I thought, I'm never going to tell anybody about this, and I'm certainly not going to tell a grandma, grandmother. So one day, um, I was sitting out on the porch with the grandmother. The kids are playing around and stuff, and um, all of a sudden, I just blurted out, and I told the grandma, and I told her about my experience with the spirit guide who had sat at the edge of the bed looking longingly at her house, and she started to cry. And I said, well, you know, I don't think it was Dan. Do you think it was Dan? And she said, oh, it was definitely Dan. She said he had a bare back and he had a towel wrapped around his shoulders. And I said, yep. And he said he died getting out of the shower. So anyways, that sent chills on my back and really proved the fact that he was a spirit guide. So I've had a lot of spirit guides that have come to me over time. Like I've had older men that sort of leaned up against my armoire and just different little things that I you know, always thought, well, maybe I'm dreaming. But I guess Dan proved that I'm not dreaming at all. So that's my spooky story close to um, Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mom, for your story. Yes, that was recorded before Halloween. It's a little bit after, but it can be Halloween all year long, can't it? <laughs> Anyways, that is a cool story. I don't think I've talked about it on the show. My mom has a lot of stories. Something that I have her looking for right now is we have some paper clippings from the 1930s and the 1940s. A lot of our ancestors, great aunts, great grandmothers, great great grandmothers have had um, some paranormal activity that was actually featured in local newspapers because it was so, oh my gosh. So it's kind of cool to know that um, our paranormal history goes back in time quite far. I want to hear those again. I've been told them all my life, but I don't want to share them without knowing the exact facts. It would be cool to scan the articles and post them up on thehauntedestate.com. Yes, that's a little push. Thehauntedestate.com is my website for the podcast. You can find links from other episodes, things we've talked about, some cool books. And if you're a big enough fan, you can even buy yourself a shirt. There's a shop and you can get the cool Ouija board logo. I like the house, but I feel like the Ouija board, um, that was really hard for me to make. So... I'm kind of impressed with myself for doing that. So this week, I would like to start... Actually, no, this is going to be the second. Let's go in second with a story from Ryan. Ryan is one of my favorited listeners. He has sent me some really cool topics. And this is actually a story from his experience at the Myrtle Plantation. Do you have a topic you would like us to cover? Email Selena at selena 
at thehauntedestate.com. I live about two hours away from St. Francisville, Louisiana, where the Myrtles Plantation is located. I've always been fascinated by the stories I've heard surrounding the place, but I've never made time to visit it until about four years ago. My girlfriend at the time and I were very into paranormal and watched every documentary and reality TV show she could find on ghost stories. After watching a special on the Travel Channel about the most haunted places in America, we decided it would not be a crime to go to the Myrtles Plantation since it was basically in our backyard. We planned our weekend getaway and booked the Judge Clark Woodruff Suite because it gave us access to the framed stairwell where a previous owner died after being shot, as well as the mirror that Chloe is said to make appearances in when pictures are taken of it. We both were very excited to stay for the night and also opted to take a guided tour when we arrived. The tour was about $20 a person and totally worth it. You see, when you stay at the plantation, you don't have free reign of the entire house during the night. The house is petitioned off into sections. One room, included in the tour, is said to have so much activity that no one is allowed to stay the night in it. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It was very interesting to hear the tour guide tell the history and the stories that are connected to the house. A certain point of the night, I think about 9 p.m., all the staff leaves and you're left to your own devices. You can roam the grounds, take pictures and videos, or just hang out and drink in the courtyard, as many, co- as many guests do. My girlfriend and I walked the grounds and took about 150 pictures with my digital camera. I borrowed a video camera from a friend of mine, but cliche as it might be, it died about five minutes after I turned it on, despite having a full battery when we arrived, and it wouldn't charge. We observed many white orbs of all sizes in the pictures which only added to the eerie feeling brewing in our stomachs. We started to get sleepy around 9 a.m. Um, that would be pretty late. Around 1 a.m. and decided to return to our room. The feeling you have when you're in the house is like you're constantly being monitored. There are no TVs or radios in any of the rooms, so there isn't much for you to do to drown out any noises that you might hear. We sat up for a while, talking and poking fun at each other for being too scared to actually fall asleep. Around 3 a.m., what the tour guide referred to, referred to as the witching hour, we started to hear the faint sound of what appeared to be someone sweeping with a broom outside our bedroom door. It started off barely noticeable, but as we listened in disbelief, the sound grew louder to the point that it was unmistakable. I don't remember which one of us broke the silence between us, but one of us asked, Do you hear that too? We, noticed and agree- we nodded in agreement and stared intently at the door, waiting for it to swing open. 
The sweeping sound continued for about 20 minutes, and I'm pretty sure we did nothing but stare at the door until it stopped. I even recall slowing my breathing as if somehow to avoid being noticed. Although my heart was racing due to the adrenaline coursing through my veins, neither of us was brave enough at the time to get up and open the door to investigate. Also, keep in mind that since the house was petitioned off, we were really the only people that had access to the area in front of our bedroom door, so I know the sweeping couldn't have been another guest messing with us. The room seemed colder than usual than when we arrived, despite being in bed and had covers up to my chest as we laid in bed in the fully lit bedroom. Fighting fear and exhaustion, we began to doze off. That didn't last long. I accidentally touched my girlfriend's head with my hand, causing her to almost jump through the ceiling. Her reaction scared me too. I decided that sleep was no longer an option. We sat back up in bed, taking, talking some more, and eventually we heard a new sound. The sound appeared to be footsteps on the roof of the house. One of the stories of the house is that there are two small girls that were accidentally killed by Chloe, and they've been seen and even photographed playing on the roof. Again, we didn't see anything, but the sound of the footsteps, footsteps were obvious and went on for several minutes as Chloe herself. As Chloe herself, she did not decide to make an appearance. It's probably a good thing because I think we had all the excitement that we could handle for one night. I stayed awake until about 5.30 a.m. and eventually fell asleep. We didn't sleep long, just long enough to get a quick recharge. But when we, when we woke, we packed our bags, placed our room key in the drop box, and headed home. Although scary, it was a great experience, and I always try to rationalize things, and don't, but don't dismiss the possibilities that our minds got the best of us, especially when our heads were freshly filled with new ghost stories from the tour guide and that we had nothing else to occupy our minds with than our own imaginations. I highly recommend spending the night at the Myrtles Plantation to anyone passing through or within a reasonable driving distance. I would do it again in a heartbeat, but only in a larger group. There are many fascinating ghost stories that surround New Orleans. I've been on several walking tours in the French Quarter, the Garden District, and a few of the great cemeteries. I've stayed in the less famous but equally haunted Bourbon Orleans Hotel, and never fails to, and it never fails to captivate me when I hear the amazing story of my city. I've even visited the alleged grave of voodoo queen Marie Laveau. One of my favorite sayings is, Norleans, the city where the dead outnumber the living. I hope that wasn't too long, and I hope you enjoyed reading it. Until next time, ma'am. <laughs> I love Ryan. He is like, he writes these stories out so well. It's incredible. And I want to hear stories about every one of your ghost tours and every hotel and everything that you've stayed in. It really fills up the show, and it brings so much to it. And again, thank you. Thank you for writing those in. I love reading them. And my jealousy, my jealousy has topped it at a million that you got to stay at the Myrtle's Plantation. Because you know where I am. I'm in a little old Canada where the polar bears are and we're talking about that Timmy coffee, you know, eh? And <laughs> I'm so Canadian. It's not even funny. It's actually hailing right now. Isn't that impressive? <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Ryan. I am super jealous. I couldn't imagine being able to actually experience some of the stories. Yes, I'm sure that having free time to notice those things and not being able to drown things out definitely emphasizes and like makes you realize things more but at the same time that place is so infamous for everything that has gone on there that I don't question at all that what you heard was completely paranormal so again thank you so much do you have a cool story to tell us call our toll-free number 
8260-3428 or head over to www.thehauntedestate.com. In that top right corner, there's a little envelope. Click it and send us your story. So, all my friends from all over the world, I am very curious what you did for Halloween. Did you go trick-or-treating? Take your little ones trick-or-treating? What did you dress up as? Did you go to a cemetery? Maybe have a seance? See, it fell on a Saturday this year, so I feel like some people got up to some funny, funny, funny business. So if you are willing to let me know of your awesome plans, please call the toll-free number. Let me know. Email me at selena at thehauntedestate.com or even go to the website, right corner, little envelope. Click it. Share it. Do it. And now, some haunted history. Yes, yes, yes. Some haunted history, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite topics as we don't have very much stories from very many stories from people. I like to do some research, got some awesome topics still running on the topics from Ryan, who is a awesome listener. And this one is actually about the Axeman of New Orleans. One of the most mysterious and still unsolved frenzies to grip the city of New Orleans came early in the 1900s with the arrival of the enigmatic X-Man. Axeman. Who was this strange and terrifying creature? Ghost? Ghoul? Something worse? In May 1918, the greatest boogeyman that New Orleans has ever known arrived in the city. His coming would begin a period of terror in the city that would last for the next year and a half. With the coming darkness, the residents of New Orleans would spend each night listening to every sound, looking at every shadow, and would open their newspapers with trembling hands each morning. The Axeman had come to the city, and nobody was safe, or so it seemed. To this day, the identity of the Axeman remains a mystery. Many believe that he was not a man at all, but a supernatural creature that was able to appear and disappear at will. There are others who believe that he was merely a demented serial killer who hacked off the heads of his victims while they slept. We will never really know for sure. On May 23, 1918, an Italian grocer named Joseph Mayago and his wife were butchered while sleeping in their apartment above the Mayago grocery store. Upon investigation, the police discovered that a panel in the rear door had been chiseled out, providing a way for the killer. The murder weapon, an axe, was found in the apartment, still coated with the Mayago's blood. Nothing in the house had been stolen, including jewelry and money, and nearly anything that was in plain sight. Detectives quickly went to work on the case, while several suspects were arrested and questioned. All were released for a lack of evidence against them. Investigators began digging into old files, looking for possible cases that matched the Miego murders. And to their surprise, they discovered that three murders and a number of attacks against Italian grocers had already taken place in 1911. The murders bore a striking resemblance to the Miego crime. In that, an axe had been used in each to access the home, and access had been gained through a panel near the rear door. These earlier crimes had been thought to be a vendetta of terror organized by the mafia. The police and the Italian residents of the French Quarter braced themselves for the worst. Almost exactly a month after the Mayago murders came a second crime. Louis Bosimer, a grocer who lived behind the store with his common-law wife Annie, 
Harriet Lowe, was discovered by neighbors one morning lying in a pool of blood. He had been badly injured but was not dead. Besides him was Annie, also injured but amazingly not dead. Both of them had been hacked with an axe. The weapon was also lying next to Bosmer and so and was also covered by blood. A panel of the kitchen door had been, removed, had been removed, and a chisel was laying on the back steps, and nothing had been stolen. After Annie regained consciousness in Charity Hospital, she first claimed her attacker had been a young, very, young and very dark, but later she changed her story and stated that Bosmer had attacked her. The police were skeptical, however, never being able to assert how Bosmer could have attacked him in I'm having a hard time, guys, who could have attacked Annie, but then fractured his own skull with the axe. After he recovered from his injuries, he was released. Later on that year, in August, a woman named Miss Edward Schneider awakened in the night to see a tall, phantom-like form standing over her bed. She screamed just as the axe fell. A few minutes later, her neighbors found her unconscious with her head gashed and bloody with several of her teeth knocked out. She recovered from her injuries. A few nights later, an Italian grocer named Joseph Romano was also attacked. This attack was just like the others, although Romano did not survive. He died a few hours later and was never able to provide any clue as to the identity of the Axeman. By this time, the hysteria was, sleeping, was sweeping through the city. Families divided into watches and stood guard over their relatives as they slept. People went about with loaded guns and waited for news on the latest Axeman sightings. On August 11th, the killer was seen in the neighborhood of Tulane and Broad, masquerading as a woman. The rumor said, A manhunt was organized, but without success. On August 21st, a man was seen leaping from a back fence, but despite a quickly organized search party, the fiend escaped. Were these sightings real, or merely a fright and fooled imaginations at work? While most of the so-called sightings can be attributed to panic among local residents, the Axeman did leave tangible evidence behind as well. Also, on August 11th, a man named Al Durad discovered an axe and a chisel lying outside his rear door in the early morning hours. His back door had been damaged, but apparently proved too thick for the killer to cut through. In late August, the rear door of Paul Lobella's grocery store and residence was chiseled through. No one was home at the time. The same day, another grocer named Joseph LeBeouf reported that an attempt had been made to chisel through his rear door at night. Awakened by the noise, he had frightened the intruder away. An axe was discovered dropped on his steps the following day. Another axe was found in the yard of A. Reckonjail, who was also a grocer. Chisel marks were also found on his back door. On September 15th, a grocer named Paul Drool found that someone had also attempted to cut through his door. A case of, the t- a case of tomatoes that had been resting against the inside panel had foiled the attack. Then, as mysteriously as he had come, the axe man vanished, at least for a while. In the early morning hours of March 10th, 1919, and the axe man struck again. It was perhaps the most terrible crime yet. Mrs. Charles, a wife of a grocer in Gretna, who lived just across the river from New Orleans, awakened to find her husband struggling with a large, dark man who was armed with an axe. As her husband fell into a bloody heap on the floor, Mrs. held her two-year-old daughter 
in her arms and begged her attacker for mercy, at least for the child. But the axe came down anyway, killing the little girl and fracturing the skull of the mother. The police were once again stumped, and the rumblings began to suggest that perhaps the axe man really wasn't a man at all. Some claimed that he might be a woman or a midget. That's not really politically correct, but anyways, little person, enabling him to slip through the small space that he cut in the doors. But others maintained that he was a creature from a world beyond. How else, they questioned, could all the witnesses describe the killer as being a large man, but only a small person could have slipped through the chiseled panels of the rear doors? The killer had to have come through supernatural means, as the door was still locked when the attacks were discovered. Following the last murders, New Orleans was again filled with terror. The police stated that they believed all the crimes were committed by the same man, a bloodthirsty maniac filled with a passion for human slaughter, and perhaps they were right. On Friday, March 14, 1919, the editor of New Orleans Times received a letter from a man who claimed to be an axeman. The letter appears as followed. They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible, even for the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you New Orleans and and foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. Alone, known whom shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood in the brains of whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell police, and careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but a satanic majesty. But tell them to beware. Tell them not to discover what I am, for it would be better if they were never to find. I don't think there is any need for such a warning, for I feel sure police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise, and I know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At it, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans in my infinite mercy. I am going to make a little proposition to you people, and here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared whose home is a jazz band at full swing. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then, it'll be much better off for you people. One thing is certain of that time. The people of New Orleans did what it said. There was jazz throughout the entire cert, through the entire city, but as the sun rose the next morning, they had learned that not a single hot attack had occurred that night, even though it was doubtful that every home was full of jazz. It was quiet for some time until the night of August 3rd, 1919. In the darkest hour, a young girl named Sarah was attacked with an axe while she slept. Was it really the Axeman, though, or an imitator? No one knew for sure. Have a type of new to share. Call us at one 
There we go, folks. That was a lot of fun. I really love hearing about that. I remember learning about the Axeman when I was younger. If you go to the website, www.hauntedestate.com, I'm going to post the link to the article where I found this information. And I will also go on YouTube and I will try and find the documentary that I have watched on this. It's one of those things, you know, some people, they say when they go crazy, they turn into demons. Um, some forms of schizophrenia, I think they have contact with demons. Are they simply crazy or are they simply evil? You never know. But I would like to thank all of you for listening to this. Yes, now actually the ninth episode of The Haunted Estate. And please don't forget to share with your friends. Rate me on iTunes. That's how other people are going to find me. Feel free to write me anytime. I'm always around. So thank you very much. And I hope you enjoyed this The Haunted Estate. Come with me, my love, to say the sea of love. I wanna tell you how much I love you. Do you remember when we met this day? I know you're my pet. I wanna tell you how much I love you. Come with me, my love, to see the sea of love. I want to tell you how much I love you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.